0: This is episode number 51 with author, keynote speaker, and expert on human capacity, Matt Johnson. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. When you think about becoming the best version of yourself, you think about being capable of doing more, or better yet, being capable of being more. And today that's what Matt and I talk about, how to increase your human capacity. During today's fast paced busy world, a lot of us feel drowned in how much we have to do. Our task lists are just getting longer and longer and the time we have to complete it seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Chris Johnson, Matt's father, founded the company On Target Living back in 2006 in order to transform the health and performance of humans one person and one organization at a time. And that's exactly why Chris and Matt co-authored the book called Capacity, Create Laser Focus, boundless energy, and an unstoppable drive in any organization. As the president of OnTarget Living, Matt is a keynote speaker on building resiliency, focusing productivity, and maximizing energy. He's helped out some of the most well-known brands in the entire world such as Costco, AT&T, and the PGA, just to name a few. In this interview, Matt breaks down why we lack focus and how we can start narrowing our focus to things that really matter. He talks about why so many of us lack energy and what we can start doing to regain control of that. He talks about how getting cut from his high school golf team shaped the way he looks at failure and at success. He talks about what it's like running a business with his father, mother, and twin sister all as a part of the team. And one of my favorite topics that he covered is this idea of the ability we as humans have to self-correct. This episode is going to be a game changer for you and has the potential to be for your friends and loved ones as well. So while you're listening to the episode, share it with a friend. All you have to do is click the share button on Spotify or the Apple podcast app, and you can text it right to your friend or your family member. Or if you want to watch the video, all you have to do is go to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Let me know you're listening to this episode by taking a screenshot of it and posting it on your Instagram stories. You can tag me at carrier underscore best you to let me know what your favorite thing that Matt shares is. To connect further with Matt, you can find his website at expandcapacity.com and you can connect with him on LinkedIn at Matt Johnson. If you want to learn more about their amazing company, On Target Living, you can go to ontargetliving.com where you can find their podcast and you can grab a copy of their book, Capacity. And you can find them at On Target Living on all social media platforms as well. I'm super stoked for you guys to listen and learn from Matt today. It's going to be a big game changer for you in your own personal development and your personal performance. When you find something that strikes a chord with you today, write it down somewhere then start to act on it. Share with me what that one thing is by leaving a review on the Apple podcast app to let me know what you're going to start taking action on. Speaking of reviews, for this week's review of the week, I want to thank my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Beck, for sharing the following. Nick's podcast is excellent. He keeps a good balance with questions and sharing. He is helping us all be our better selves. Very proud of Nick. As his fifth grade teacher, I knew he would do great things in life. Congrats. I look forward to listening more. Thanks, Mr. Beck. That means a lot coming for you. I'm glad you're enjoying the show and that it's supporting your journey to your best self. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on getting closer to the best version of yourself today with the super intelligent and super inspiring Matt Johnson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm fired up for today's interview. I have the one and only Matt Johnson with me today. Matt, I appreciate you spending the time with me here today. Thanks, Nick. So to give you guys a, a quick background, Matt is the president of On Target Living, um, and basically, On Target Living is a company that is looking to transform the health and the performance of humans, one person and one organization at a time. You're also the co-author with your father of the book "Capacity," um, called uh, "Well to Create Laser Focus, Boundless Energy, and an Unstoppable Drive." In any organization, I love the book, and I can't wait to get into uh, all those topics. But you were giving me a little bit of more background than I had been able to research beforehand so I kind of want to start a little bit uh, back into your childhood I guess when you know you had a 2.6 GPA coming out of high school you had an 18 on the ACT um, never that successful in school but you were a a golfer and you wanted to make sure that you or you wanted to play golf in college and so you were afforded the opportunity to go play at Grand Valley State but you told me uh, you got cut your freshman year Um, so basically I kind of want to start there and when did you start becoming successful as a golfer and kind of when did that mindset shift in and how did it shift?
1: Yeah. So to correct you, the first time I took ACT, I got a 16. So I then Then I got an 18. So I did real good. No, I (laughs) I mean, I never, I never really was passionate about school and, and I'll get to that at some point in this conversation, but it's about engagement. I just wasn't engaged. Did I have the skills and the knowledge? I think I did. Um, but from a golf standpoint, I love golf. I played 54 holes of golf for almost every day in the summer. Wow. And uh, coming out freshman year of high school, I, I should have made the team. And in the last three holes, I, I blew up and ended up missing qualifying by one stroke. And at the time, you're thinking, if I could only get that one stroke, looking back, I'm 33 today, uh, when I was 14 or 13, whatever that was that one stroke may have changed the trajectory of how I think of success and how good of golfer I became and and maybe even in business and and in my uh, personal life. So um, at a young age, I was, I failed and I've I've failed since and I plan to fail in the the future. But uh, that next year I started to succeed at golf because I started to have more focus towards it. If there's something that you want, you end up getting it. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to be successful at golf. And that failure taught me that I had to improve in in some areas. So to me, to me, strength finders is key. But yet for me, I had to work on my weaknesses. So I'm a big fan of you need to be well-rounded. And sometimes failure shows you where where you got some gaps. Mm -hmm. So when you,
0: you, you've talked to me uh, beforehand about a number of the failures that you've had. And, you know, like you said, you the failure on the golf course. When you have a failure, what's the proper way to kind of evaluate why you failed and then start making the adjustments towards not letting that specific thing happen again.
1: Yeah. I think number one is acceptance. It took me a while. I mean, at 13, you're not mature enough. Um, I have great parents and I have a great uh, system around me to help me and encourage me. But when you fail, you're it's you and yourself. And so it, it takes a while to accept it. It took me probably a year to fully accept it. Um, but I think that's the only message for everybody is understanding if you accept it. Some some of us haven't failed yet. And some of us haven't got uncomfortable enough to fail. You know, if you're trying to start a business and you don't start a business ever, you probably won't fail at business. Right. So to me, it's acceptance first. That's the message. Um, but you won't know until you get into it. And just positive self-talk. If you're, if you're beating yourself up because of anything, um, then, then you're gonna not have that energy that you need to to rebound and recover so i think acceptance is key i think we're so fearful of um failure yeah i think we need to be use failure to uh, allow us to be successful and, that's, j- when and- we, that's when we get become our best no matter what is you have to fail at something
0: right and, and do you think that, like the biggest way to just do that is just realizing that it's just a part of it like is there any other way to like Make Give people courage besides just realizing that that's a part of everything in life and a part of growth
1: yeah, I think it's always trying to push your boundaries you got to get outside of your comfort zone. Some people, whether it's high school athletics or um academics, they're skilled at it, you know they have the talent for it, and so they never find it to be challenging and so for many people, that creates a very fixed mindset or a limited mindset when a growth mindset is about whether you fail or not you you gave it your best effort and so i i had to step back and realize i didn't really give my best effort i played a lot but i had no idea how to practice i didn't know how to think and so those are the things that changed it wasn't about more repetitions mm-hmm. you know it's like the 10,000 things i got 10,000 swings in but it wasn't the 10,000 right types of swings so for me it's the growth mindset that we have to understand we have to give it our best effort versus just putting in the time time is time I think is a very limited measurement of ho- how successful you're going to be you got to put in time but I think it's the right time
0: right no I, I think that's I think it's kind of the same same kind of thing or same kind of thinking as working smart and not just working hard Right. Uh, doing the yeah, spending your time the right way. But I kind of want to get into the earlier parts of your career. So you graduated from Grand Valley State, and then right afterwards, you were um, uh, underwriter for Auto Owners Insurance for uh, about a year and a half, and then you started went into uh, started working with the family, started working with your father at On Target Living. What did you feel was your biggest ability con- to contribute to On Target Living at the time? Like, what did you feel the calling to? now's the time to go because I'm going to be able to contribute something to this.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's not necessarily that I saw what I could contribute. Um, I saw an opportunity at auto owners and I sat down with the CEO at the time and he wanted to build a a wellness program and that's what my degree is in. That's what I thought I wanted to do back to, you don't know, you know, you just gotta, you gotta try it. And so I did underwriting as a kind of a small piece to learn insurance and help them. um, then, then as my dad grew on target living we had these conversations of like how can we grow this because people are desperate for this information I didn't know what I was gonna do I, I didn't like speaking I'm an introvert by nature I don't like to be in front of a camera and be on stage just in my natural self so I thought I'd go and help with you know running the business the finances the management uh, social media all those things that you think are really important and um, long story short I think my value is that i have a really big vision and i also have clarity and can focus in on that vision so vision's big but execution is small and so i I think i do a good balancing act between my father who's this big grand vision guy right at the end of the day you got to reign the troops and say okay what do we have to do and so i think we have a really good team that complements each other's strengths and weaknesses and i think i was just a piece of that um you know, that puzzle. And then I, you know, I fell in love with speaking and training and helping people. And, and once you start to perfect your craft, and you're talking about things that matter, uh, speaking became natural to me. So mm-hmm. again, the first time I ever had to speak on a huge stage, what ended up happening was, we had a large client, my father double booked and said, you're going to St. Louis so, you know, you're, you're sweating one month out because you're thinking about what you got to do to get ready for that big speaking event when you've never done something like that. Right. And, and just like anything else, you don't fail as much as you think you are. You're, you're, you're kind of, you're surviving it, but afterwards you can look back and say that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And mm-hmm. then you just, just keep improving. So that yeah. was the early stage. That's what got me over to on target living from. Being an underwriter for auto owners, but auto owners was a great learning oh, uh, sure. experience for me. You're starting to see how cultures work and how teams uh, build and how a multinational company uh, works. And and when I left, I said, you know, I'm going to speak here one day, and I did uh, in 2017. I went back and spoke to auto owners, so that was really neat. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm going to jump into the the nitty gritty of the book in just a second, but I want to
0: ask you about going into going into speaking, because it's something like you said that you've never done before. Um, And I feel like a lot of people try to go into do thing or try to go and do things that they have never done before, or sometimes they're held back to do things that they've never done before. So just talk about like what you need to do in order to approach something that you've never done before in the right way.
1: You, you have to have the knowledge. You have to have the experience. You have to have the passion. I mean, a lot of people have passion, but they don't have the experience. You know, uh, let's just say you flip a house and you're successful. Now you're going to go speak on flipping houses because you did it one time. I see that happening a lot where people don't have the track record. They're not work. They haven't done the work yet. Right. And so whether they're the best speaker in the world, like they're dynamic, you still don't have the foundation to talk about it. So for me, it was about putting in the time. I mean, I grew up with my father doing this my entire life. Mm-hmm. So looking back, that was part of my course on how to do it. You know, I, we would go to his seminars when we were 10 years old and sell books in the back. So that's part of the, the piece that helped me. And I think a lot of people miss, you got to put in the time, you got to put in the work, speaking for free at the Rotary or whatever it takes to get some of those reps, um, but you also have to have something people care about, Yeah, not just you, you have to have something that people want to, to hear. And so that's for us, um, a constant battle to make sure that there's, there's something relevant that people have want to pay value to hear you speak. Right. We're right. not celebrities. We're not celebrities. We're not, you know, going to tell yeah. a story about surviving some tropical storm. We're, mm-hmm. we're really teaching people some methodology. So we better have the track record and, and, uh experience to back it up. Okay. I like it. So basically just when you say experience, not necessarily experience because you haven't done the actual thing, experience in the knowledge of the thing that you're actually going to go speak about. If you're going to be a speaker, you better be an expert on something. You right. better have some expertise. And so that's the experience that we're talking about. It's okay. not that you haven't spoke. I mean, many people haven't spoke, but they have the expertise from doing the work. Right. It's time to perfect it. Okay, I like it. So I want to get into the kind of the nitty gritty in the book. You know, on the
0: cover it says that you guys help create laser focus, balanced energy, and an unstoppable drive. And then in the book it talks about um, through the foundations of rest, eat, and move. Um, But I kind of want to break down those uh, those categories right now, real quick. Start with uh, start with focus. So in terms of focus, I think everybody basically knows the importance of focus and that it needs to be. We need to find ways. To focus. So, what are the things that we're doing wrong, and how can we start combating those and fixing those in terms of being more focused?
1: Yeah, I, I think we have to understand focus is a skill. So, I think everyone understands focus. Like, I, as a young student, and throughout my entire life, I was told, You need to, you need to learn how to focus, or you mm-hmm. need to focus. Learn wasn't the right word. They said, You need to focus. Well, is somebody going to teach me how to focus? Because I obviously don't have that skill. And so I think understanding focus is the number one skill we have. And it directs every performance that we're trying to do, whether it's parent, our business, uh, whether we're a professional athlete. Um, and focus is becoming harder and harder as more information comes at us. Emails, dings, pings, social media. And so to me, it's it's the most valuable skill that's becoming very ha- hard in, in our our daily lives so a couple things that we're doing wrong is uh, we're not in the present moment so we're social media emails all those things are in the future and uh, you know we were doing some filming uh, the last couple of days and we were out in the woods and I like to ask people do you go out in nature ever and people are like yeah I go out in nature golf when's the last time you went out in nature without your cell phone so that's what's changed is we're a little bit more connected we don't disconnect and that that screws with our ability to focus because we're overstimulated. Mm-hmm. If you look at the medications for focus, they're all about stimulation. Yeah. And so I have an article I wrote p- called uh, Putting Out Fire with Gasoline. So we're, we're giving people that are overstimulated, can't focus, too much going on. There's too much bouncing in the head A more stimulant that allows you to have that, that focus. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about calming. It's about, it's about eliminating some of that unneeded noise Um, asking yourself, can you go a couple hours without checking your phone? Can Mm -hmm. you go a couple hours without having your email open on your desktop? And that's what, um, to me, we need to teach more if we want performance to improve. Right.
0: I think, I think it's really important that you talk about how it's a skill like that you learn and that you develop over time. Because I think a lot of people, I feel like I hear a lot of people say, if I were just focused, like then I would be a lot more successful or I'd be doing more things that I want to do. And I feel like people are saying that in the sense of like, all of a sudden it's just going to happen, that they're just going to to be focused and that they're not right now. Um, But if people realize that it needs to be a practice or a skill that you practice all the time, then it seems more manageable of a thing that you can actually attain. So kind of what I want to ask you is, what are some things that maybe you do on a daily or a weekly basis, like practically that,
1: you that you do to try to practice on your improving your skill of focus great great point number one if you if you don't understand it's a skill that's the problem so it's a skill you got to practice it i was told my entire life matt your adhd you can't focus no it's not that i can't focus it's that i'm not focusing right now so i had to learn it i never took medications i never went down that traditional approach and i struggled in school but I had to learn and teach myself how to focus. Number one thing today, maybe it wasn't 10 years ago, is don't have your cell phone in your bed. That's before you wake up. You know, first thing people do is they open their phone, they're checking emails. Now your mind's already racing. So number one is don't have your phone in bed. That's before bed, that's when you wake up. Okay. Try, try that. That's usually, you know, a couple hours out of the day that you're spending trying to do this very superficial work that you can get to later. The other thing is what type of fuel are you putting in the body? That's a big one we talk about it eating. How are you fueling the body? If you don't have good energy, it's hard to focus, and Mm -hmm. energy comes from food. So these are like water, uh, omega-3 fats, some of these superfoods. These are the things that help fuel to allow you to focus. And then having some rest, some downtime, some white space. Um, and, And if you look at white space, we're averaging less than one hour a day. 10 yeah, years. So talk a little, I like I know yeah, what white space is, yeah, from, well, but talk, talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so, so what white space is, is what makes us unique. What makes me and you different is our white space. We both work. We both have to eat breakfast, take a shower. We both sleep, hopefully. Yeah. And so th- those things are all pretty constant for people. What makes us different is white space, our relationships, our hobbies, our passions, the time that we're in flow and we don't even track time. That's white space. And so up until 2008, from a long time ago to 2008, we average about five hours of white space. 2008, mm. the iPhone gets created. We shrink it down to three hours. Wow. Currently today in 2019, we have less than an hour of white space. And so for me, it how do we teach more focus? We have to give more space. And so for me, rest is being lazy and being bored and taking a nap. These are all like opposites of success, this hustle movement, right? But I think there's a lack of focus and to focus, you need to give yourself some periods of rest. Mm-hmm. So that could be what we call micro breaks throughout the day. So where two to three minutes, you're not on your phone, you're not on your computer, you're not doing work. And you're giving yourself some time to, to just chill out, or you're, you're trying to be quiet for 30 minutes. I challenge a lot of people, when's the last time you went 30 minutes with pure silence? Outside on a bench, a lot of people struggle with that because they're so used to all this this stimulation.
0: Right, and and I think that's kind of like it kind of goes hand in hand in terms of being focused and giving yourself some downtime. Because I feel like you can be focused and intentional about giving yourself that more white space. Because I know that when I try to plan out my day, I I'm not great at it, but I try to give myself intentional time to be like, don't do anything. Um, but it's a kind of part
1: of to be focused, you need to focus on giving yourself downtime, kind of. It's prioritizing, right? We, we, we prioritize the things that are habits. And so if you don't have the habit of giving yourself space, then it's going to be a struggle at first, just mm-hmm. like any other habit. If you're not going to the gym, it's going to take a while to get used to that. So I, I heard this a, a while ago on a podcast. I don't know what podcast, but we spend so much time about spending 30 minutes on treadmill, our health, right? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you've spent 30 minutes working on your mind? That, that I would argue that the mind's more valuable or, you know, spending 30 minutes being quiet is actually maybe more valuable than 30 minutes on a treadmill. So I heard that somewhere. It kind of stuck. It's like we have to reinvest today more than ever because we have technology and we're studying our humans as cyborgs because we are connected to machines. Mm-hmm. So if you don't give yourself a break, it becomes pretty hard to to find that white space and to have the focus. You're going to find in the next five to 10 years, the most valuable workers, the most valuable people in all industries are the ones that have the skill to focus. Right. And it doesn't matter if you could, could or couldn't at one time, you can in the future if you practice it today. Yeah. That's my I- message. That's my message because I was a horrible focus person, ADHD, but- that was just because I was labeled it and, and never learned the skill.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can walk the walk and, and talk the talk about that. Um, but I want to go into number two. Um, you, we kind of touched a little bit on it, but like the boundless energy part. So kind of the same sort of question. Why do we lack so much energy? Like, why is that the thing that everybody's just like, oh, I wish I had more energy kind of a thing?
1: And how can we start fixing that? Well, energy isn't measurable. You know, we love to measure stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's why... We got the What's fit- your energy level on a scale of 1 to 10? I feel like everybody asks that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something that we can't really measure. You say 1 to 10, but your Fitbit's not going to tell you it. There's no equation for it. But yet you ask anybody how important energy is, and it's it's really important. Mm-hmm. So Peter Drucker, who's the um, expert on leadership and some uh, other stuff back in the day, he said if it's not measurable, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Energy is the one thing that it does ma- matter and the fact that it's not measurable makes it a challenge for people because they lose that self-awareness. Mm. You know, when I talk to people, I say, well, how is your energy? Well, it's great. Do you even know what great feels like? Do you right. know what it's like to have uh, your, your maximum energy potential? And I don't think most people have ever experienced that. And they haven't experienced it in a long time because they're not doing the X's and O's that I know give you energy. So for me, energy is our most precious commodity. We all have the ability to have way more energy than I think most of us think. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're manufacturing energy at an alarming rate. Supplements, stimulants, coffee. Not saying you shouldn't have coffee or caffeine, but these things are stimulants that we're using to manufacture artificial energy. Mm-hmm. But energy is a commodity. I think time's important. To me, energy is a much more valuable commodity. and And, and if you think about it, um, when was the last time you had a ton of time and no energy? It probably wasn't a very great time, right? Having a ton of time and no energy is not fun. No. Having no time and a bunch of energy, you can get some shit done. Yeah. So, so for me, energy is so much more important than time, but many of us aren't thinking about building energy. We're just, we're just running through time. And that's when you hear someone that says they're busy. I'd rather know, are you productive? Are you energetic? You know how do you feel? Because you're going to have such a better, such better output than just putting in some time. Yeah, I
0: love everything. uh, So many things you said there, and I think there's the maybe there's a Peter Drucker quote in your in the book that says if it's measured, it gets managed.
1: That sort of thing. Yeah, Uh, it gets managed. mm -hmm, If you can't if you can't measure energy, you're not going to manage it, Mm -hmm. and we're doing a crummy job of it.
0: Yeah, and and I think I, I was actually talking about this with somebody the other day in terms of people who work out and people who don't work out i think a lot of people who don't work out one of the reasons why maybe they don't work out is because they don't know what it feels like if you do work out all the time and, and kind of have that energy so they kind of don't know what they're lacking in a sense but people who do work out like once they kind of stop it for a little bit they realize the difference and maybe that can be a remotivation to get back after it so how can how can maybe we try to motivate somebody who doesn't know what that ener- that type of energy feels like to try to get
1: there and, and push them to that energy well when you come up with that answer let me know here <laughs> I, th- I think I think what I really agree with and I've, I've said this many times is most people don't know what it feels like to feel their best and, mm-hmm. and I'll kind of repeat that in a different way but if you don't know what it feels like to feel your best you can't self-correct well once you do f- know that you felt your best When you start to get off the wagon a little bit, you get a little sideways, take a couple detours. You kind of notice and you say, "I got to get back on that." But if you never experienced it, you may be walking around hundred pounds overweight, not sleeping. You might think this is the best energy that's possible because we only really know ourselves. Yeah. But when it talks about energy, I don't know what it feels like to have your energy, possibly because I've never been—I've never been in your your shoes. Mm-hmm. But so that's where you have to kind of self-reflect and say, am I doing the foundations? Because if I do the foundations, then I'm at least closer to what's possible. But once you exercise and you feel good, you kind of self-correct yourself because you've been there.
0: Yeah, that, that phrase, when you said that, I went straight to the phrase of, you've probably heard it before, when people work out, the hardest thing to do is to start working out. The easiest thing to do or er, is not stop. I, I think I butchered that. But what what is it exactly? It's like the hardest thing to do is to start working out. But the hardest thing to do once you, that is like to actually stop it. But it's basically because that, because you self-correct once you, because once you start working out, you realize how much energy and how good you feel that if you don't do it for a day,
1: you're like, oh man, I got to self-correct. I got to get back in there. Nobody's ever regretted exercising, (laughs) but, but to get started is hard. Yeah. And so if, if, from an energy standpoint, if people can realize food is where we get our energy food. And so if you put crummy food in your body, you're going to just, whether we can measure it or not, you're going to know it's going to be a bad output. Mm-hmm. And so just looking at the food you're eating and saying, Hey, I haven't had a piece of fresh fruit or vegetable in a week, but I, I think I feel pretty good. That's me telling you, man, you could feel freaking awesome. And yeah. you don't even realize it. And once you do feel awesome, you'll, you'll never want to let that go. And that's, to me, where most people never allow themselves to go. And so it's hard to talk someone into the benefits of exercise because it's not just physical. It's, it, most of it's mental. Yeah. But I think most people that aren't exercising think it's only physical. Yeah. And so that, they're not thinking about the right way to get started. And they're not going to give themselves enough time, in the, for the most part, to experience that. Yeah, but, but we've seen both where they once they do it, they're like, "I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't know it was possible to feel this good." Mm-hmm. I think like what
0: you just said basically was one of y'all's kind of aha moments early on in On Target Living when you were talking about health to all these businesses, and it, it kind of wasn't sticking. But when you fo- shifted the focus to to creating focus energy and drive, that's when they started to kind of latch on and realize it wasn't just the physical thing. It wasn't just the health thing, but it was all these other mental things and, and performance outcomes as you call them.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if you ask any entrepreneur, any leader, any CEO, do you want your people to have focus energy and drive? They're like, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what we're struggling with right now. Okay. Well, what's your strategy to do that? And then they look at you like deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I'm on stage, I ask the audience, when's the last time you've taken a focus class? It's kind of a joke. Mm -hmm. Nobody raises their hands. Nobody's taken some of these uh, steps to help themselves to do the outcomes that they want. You know, I have two arrows in my presentation, and and they're going at each other. It's what you want, what you need to do to get there. That's ideally the perfect combination. Most people want something going in a different direction. What they need to do is going in the opposite direction. Mm And so that's what focus, energy, and drive has done. Is kind of get people to think differently. Yeah, I I want my people to have focus. I want them to have energy. And that drive is that internal motivation, doing stuff that um, you don't have to look at them or watch them and they'll do the right thing. Um, Yeah. So let's jump into drive then real quick. I know you you talk about the intrinsic
0: motivation and, and kind of how to tap into that for people who don't have as much of it. So just talk about kind of what drive really what you mean by drive and how we might be able to tap into other people's intrinsic motivation.
1: Yeah. To me, uh, the power of like why and internal motivation and your purpose, I think is fantastic. We talk about if you don't have a reason why for what you want, it's never going to happen. It's like Mm -hmm. a new year's resolution. They never come to fruition unless you have a powerful motivator. The challenge is we're trying to focus on getting people to be internally motivated. It's like get internally motivated. That's an externally motivated way to do it. Right. Our philosophy is if you allow people or train people to be focused or at least help them understand it, then give them the fuel, that energy, the ability to have their energy, you'll naturally find Mm -hmm. your drive. So to me, you can't really find your true drive if you don't have focus and you don't have energy. For you, I know how passionate you are. You have drivers in your life, but you also have a lot of focus and you have a lot of energy it's so much harder when people don't have energy and don't have focus to have them do the tough stuff when you're not looking. So drive to me is the propeller of performance that uh, gets us to go through the muck. Mm -hmm. Um, but it only happens at its full ability when you have some focus and energy. So that's, that's our focus, energy and drive piece. And that's, that's how we think, um, most people should think about their, their profession, um, the stuff that matters is they're going to want focus and energy and drive to be successful.
0: Yeah. I like, I like how drive comes from kind of stems from those other two things, because I feel like if I look at somebody who is constantly not motivated, it's because those things, it's because they're not focused and because they don't have energy and that sort of thing. It just leads up to it.
1: Yeah. When I'm working with somebody and um this to me is a missing piece in, in, in the profession of personal trainers or, or the health. You got to ask them what they want. Don't assume. What do they want? Well, I want to be healthy. That's not specific enough. So focus to me is about getting really specific with what outcome do you want? Because if we're just shooting darts at a dartboard, but we don't know where we're trying to go, people are going to give up. It's like, okay, you, you say you want to lose weight, but you really don't have the drive to do that because you have no reason why. So focus to me is like getting them to know, Hey, what do you want? And then you give them some steps along the way and then they'll naturally, well, why do you want those things? They'll naturally assemble their purpose. Yeah, I like that. So
0: there's a, I think there's a quote at the beginning of your chapter in terms of taking action um, and a lot and what, I forget what chapter it was, but and how a lot of people just don't take action on things that they kind of know they should do. And I feel like that's, there's a quote that I really love and I I like try to study is a lot of us know what to do, but we don't do what we know. And that's to me is like we don't take action on the things that we know we should do. And so my question for you is how can we find a way to take more action on those things that we know we should be doing?
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's really important. Everybody knows kind of what to do. For the most think- part for the most part right the general big pillars right sleep and exercise and eat well when it comes to health or but most people don't and to me it comes to two things people have to be engaged you know if you think about netflix right their number one philosophy is to engage you and if you're engaged in netflix you consume netflix and you reconsume netflix and you create a habit mm-hmm. right and then you're got a habit of watching netflix and so for me the missing piece is you got to Engage people in different ways. Some people are attracted to their physical appearance. Some people are attracted to their how they feel internally. Some people it's blood work. Some people it's the scare tactic. So engagement is number one. If you don't engage people, you're never going to have action because they're not engaged. Mm-hmm. That's why information doesn't work. Ah. Google. There's no other better highway of information than Google. And if all we needed was information, we would be the healthiest. Uh, you know human existence ever yeah from there you need education so once people are engaged you need education and here's the big difference that I see that most people don't know information is not education Hmm. I think social media is fantastic that's information and it can be a highway to education but it's not education education is practice it's mistakes it's repetition and so we've all been educated on certain topics and you don't just do like a 20 second crash course. Mm-hmm. So, from engagement, it goes to education. Once you do those things, then people will start to take action because they have the, the engagement plus the knowledge to do it. So, to me, I think a lack of engagement, whether it's why don't people take action in the gym, they must not like something. They haven't found what they're engaged in.
2: Mm-hmm. So, we
1: got to continue to f- help find that. If you don't like lifting weights, Let's try something else. You know, there's bands, there's machines, there's classes, there's body weight, outside, inside. So you just keep adapting. Uh, if you don't like to run on a treadmill, then why the hell are you running on a treadmill? Mm-hmm. Because that's what deters people from taking action is is the things that they are engaged in. So like to, to me, that's, that's a really missing piece is that engagement.
0: Okay. So I want to challenge you. Uh, is there any, is there anything maybe like right now in your life or as of recently that you know you should have been taking action on, but you weren't. And how and what yeah. you, what what got you to the point where you finally did take action, or is there something right now that you're not taking action on?
1: Oh, every every single day. I mean, I just had my third uh, kid, and and um, she's amazing. But uh, I'm not exercising, and with the amount of focus that I have in the past, um, most of it's excuses. But I, you know, I I just have to find the time. And in my schedule, I have to create some different habits, um, but I always have to come back and prioritize it. And so for me, there's going to be ebbs and flows and seasons, but you always have to come back and refocus. You have to have some objective. You have to have something you're shooting for. And so for me, yeah, there's there's some action. I'm not taking as much exercise as I'd like. Um, you know, we're we're doing a lot of projects right now, so I'd love to be a little bit more uh, focused and calm and take more time. And sometimes I get a little bit too fast. And so, yeah, every single day there's there's actions I wish I took. But what I do do, and I still do this, is I always try to prioritize. And I try to come up with what are the five things I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And some of it is personal. You know, it, hey, tomorrow I want to make sure that I get to the gym. Right. If that's five, I probably won't get to it. If it's number one, then I know that that's, that's something that I want. And, and you look at it and you say, okay, it's been number one for three straight days and you haven't done it. It's time to get busy. Right. So So. yeah, action, action is, I think we all want to take action and sometimes we don't, but Mm -hmm. I think,
0: uh, I think the taking action thing for me is really what is the separator for people, um, take action execution. Yeah. Yeah. You either execute or you don't. Right. So let's talk, let's talk practically on, the, uh, on prioritizing like, in your schedule and everything like that. So how do you actually go about that? Do you just spend a lot of time in your calendar like trying to figure out what times you need to be doing certain things? Or what does that look like actually in your day-to-day life?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I got a job that has a lot of hats. You know, I'm speaking some days and traveling. Some days I'm uh, creating content. Some days I'm managing people. For me, I need time. I need space. I need periods where I don't have anything scheduled. So for me, I try to not over schedule, and then I have these times that I can sit back and just say, "Okay, what needs to happen?" Because there's always busy work. Right now, we have we have an e-commerce store, we have a website, we have a team. Um, There's always fires to put out. You can always be busy. So for me, I give myself space. Sometimes I I'm not even in the office. I go to a place where I'm not going to have distractions. I shut the computer, and sometimes I just you know dream. What, like what are we trying to do? And it will come to you eventually. Uh, meditation is a piece of that I'm constantly trying to practice, and it's not maybe what most people think of meditation—long periods of meditating. It could be three minutes of just trying to calm my my breath, mm-hmm. focus my breath, centering my mind so that I know. And have some clarity of where to move next, and I think that's what when I look at some leaders that I work with, they go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. They don't have any time to prioritize, mm-hmm. so they're they're just going to do what habits they have versus changing and trying to perfect the ordinary, perfect right. the habits that they they want to have.
0: So sticking on habits, do you have any habits that are um, that you, are uh, you have to do every single day that are Just like have to be that number one priority, or else, like, your day is completely thrown off if I don't do this particular thing.
1: I probably do. I mean, I think sometimes we have these idiosyncrasies that we don't realize, but my schedule is so it varies so much um, that I may not have as many as you'd think. But for me, probably food you know, food to me is something that if I don't have the right fuel, I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm not getting. Some of these superfoods that I consume, I I notice it. So that to me is probably the most regimented part of my world. I don't miss a meal, mm-hmm. type of thing, because I know if I do, I don't perform. I'm not as happy, not as energetic. Um, I try to uh, try to move my body on a daily basis because I know when I move, I'm clear mentally. And so for me, I'm a big. It's all about mindset. If you don't have it up here, you're never going to physically be able to do it. You can mm-hmm. fake it some days, but faking it over and over again is is not the way I want to go. So those are the things. And then sleep. And but I'm laughing about that because you know right now I have three kids. Uh two of them sleep pretty good, but the one month old isn't. So you can adapt short periods, but when she starts to sleep again, uh sleep will be number one. Right. Well and I I'm getting as much sleep as possible, but and when I'm when I'm speaking on the road my wife gets really jealous because I I get pretty good sleep. (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, and I think
0: my biggest takeaway from from you saying that is I think a lot of times people who are already doing a lot of habits really well don't necessarily notice them as habits because they've just been so ingrained to the fact like those those simple thi- those simple things of kind of eating right staying hydrated or things that are really good habits that a lot of people kind of need to try to implement, but you've done them so well over time that you don't really necessarily, they don't stick out as things that you're trying to keep as a habit.
1: Yeah. Those are called rituals. And that's what we talk about. The journey of change is, yeah, the honeymoon stage. Like I got to do this. I got to go to a gym. I, I found this really cool thing. And then the honeymoon's over. And then you have the valley despair, which the valley despair is when we give up. But if you can get through that valley despair, it becomes a habit. So whether it's the gym or whether it's sleep, these are habits, but once it becomes the next phase, which is the last phase of ritual, that's why it's hard for me to know because it's so ingrained. If you followed me around, you'd be like, wow, these are some amazing habits that you have that to me, they've just become rituals. right? And then we have some rituals and I do, and everyone does that we're trying to cut back on. right? And, And that sometimes is the hardest part. I mean, Self-awareness is the number one key for anyone to get any change in their life, no no matter what the change is. But what is self-awareness? That's you recognizing it. And so sometimes it's hard. And we've all tried to guide people, externally motivate people that we know have potential that just don't see that they're limited. Mm -hmm. And that to me, that hurts me because I've seen a lot of people, especially family members where it's really hard to change because there's too much emotion. Mm -hmm. That self-awareness is... Is the one thing that I think we we have to figure out better ways to get people to to notice that.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's really important. I think one way is to be very aware of like what are the different things that you're actually doing every single day, um, and being just like aware of to try to be aware of the negative and bad rituals that we need to eliminate. Because I think, like you said, it's not always about implementing the right rituals but it's about eradicating the bad ones in order to make the change. And I think it's like really being hyper aware of all the things that you're actually doing. Maybe it's like writing down every 30 minutes or every hour, the different things that you've done
1: over that period of time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're like, man, I need to go to the gym and I've started going to the gym and I'm eating clean and all these things. But, you're sleeping four hours a night and that's not even on your radar screen, it's going to be hard to get the outcome that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And you might not have that self-awareness. That's it. That's even a piece, right? Or I've, I've met so many people that, you know, eat well and they're exercising, they look good and they're putting some really bad chemicals in their body, like energy drinks and some of these stimulants like Adderall to try to have that peak cognitive mm-hmm. function. So to me, they don't even have the self awareness of like the balance that, that we need to have. Um, and balance is, and we can talk about balance, but balance to me is is not what most people use the word for. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get out of balance, but if you don't have the self correcting self awareness, like if all you're doing is working, you're gonna be suffering professionally. Mm-hmm. And if all you're doing is playing golf, and I love golf, I'm probably not gonna be as well doing well professionally. So we got to have that ebb and flow. To, to, for peak performance and the best you, I mean, that's what you're talking about. How do you achieve uh, your best self? Yeah. I think, I think that's, I like that,
0: that uh, description of it too, not balance because I don't think I, I can't put it in as good a words that you just did, but instead of balance kind of do the, the ebb and flow sort of a thing. But the one, of what I want to ask now is, so you guys um, wrote this book a few years back now. So has there, has there been like a, since you guys have been kind of teaching through this to different people, different organizations. Has there ever been a biggest aha moment or biggest thing that you've learned since then? And since teaching people this, that's like, Oh my gosh, like this isn't in the book. This would be in the next book that we wrote if -hmm. there was, or that we need to start implementing this into our strategy
1: and teaching other people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that comes to mind is people aren't reading. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we wrote a book and that's that's limited for some people. I mean, If people don't read that book, it's hard for them to get the knowledge and the methodology. But the biggest thing that's come from it, and it's not something we put it in the book that I think most people don't realize, is that when you you ask an organization or you ask a a company or an entrepreneur, what's the most valuable part of their organization? Everyone says people. Unanimously, it's always people. Okay, well, then what's the most valuable asset of people? And that's what we really talk about in the book. Most people don't have an answer to that. Maybe they say some things, but the truth is it's their health.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. if you don't have your optimal health, you're never going to be your optim- optimal self. Yeah. So mo- The most valuable asset of people is their health. And so organizations, when they read that in that way, they start to realize, if I want my ponies, our, our thoroughbreds, to be winning the race, I need to invest in the number one thing that's going to allow them to do that. Just, just having people create more and do more is not helping them and so that's why you're seeing burnout and fatigue and people not being happy because we're not training them in what they need to do to do more mm-hmm. and, and, and that's that's why most people are running out of capacity and so you know holding up the book I still think it's relevant today as it was it's probably more relevant than when we wrote it uh, mm-hmm. it's like that fish on the cover uh, people do feel maxed out and I, I think what happens is people just... Um, don't worry about some of the things they, they're not doing but those are the things that may be the most important. It could be relationships You know, if you don't have enough capacity when you get home because you've spent it all on work, probably not going to have the best relationships with the people that matter the most. Mm-hmm. And, and to me my big passion uh, and has been is I think people are working fine, you know, peak performance and what they're doing at their job I think we're doing some amazing work It's what's happening after work that I think we're just—it's so below the bar of what I think is possible. I mean, people come home at five o'clock or whenever they come home from work, and they got nothing left. So why are we working so hard for the things that matter the most that we're given no um, energy to? So that's where I think organizations have a huge opportunity. Is the workplace is the number one stressor for most people? Number one, and what if workplace was the number one? Uh, you know, positivity, best thing for people? Mm -hmm. What if we flip that around? I think we'd create better stuff. And I think we'd have a society that's happier and healthier. Yeah. So that's, that's to me what is still relevant in the book. Um, I'd have to think about there's always stuff we missed. You know, there's new, there's new, there's new foods and stuff that, you know, we're introducing every, every single day.
0: Okay, cool. Well, now I want to get a little bit into a little bit more like personally and you and, and you and the company and you and your family. So, you, you know, you told me beforehand how uh, you work with your father and your twin sister, and it's very much kind of a family business. So tell, tell me a little bit about what that dynamic is like and maybe to start, what is the biggest challenge in working with your family?
1: Yeah, that's so I. I think my family would call me the boss cause I'm bossy. Um, <laughs> I, tell, I tell people exactly what I want them to know. Maybe sometimes not sugarcoat, but no, it's, it's fantastic. I think we all have the same passions and mission and that piece, if it's not in alignment, that's probably the hardest part. But you know, I have a twin sister who's in the business and, uh, sometimes I try to boss her around even though she's my older by one minute twin sister. <laughs> so she should boss me around. Um, yeah the the dynamic the hardest part is separating work from family yeah so we, we take family vacations we're around each other all the time and you know there's so much to talk about in the workspace you just have to give yourself that that buffer mm-hmm. so the, our our biggest challenge is not talking about work when we're together and I think we all do a, a pretty good job of that but sometimes we have conflicting opinions and directions and that's just part of business, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. There's not a group of people that I'd rather work with. Um, and I'm probably the hardest on, on my dad. And yeah. He, you know, sometimes he, that's probably how he me. wants it. Yeah. Well, so, sometimes I think sometimes, I mean, uh, okay. sometimes I, I don't give enough uh sugar coat, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're all, we're all like-minded so it makes it easy. Yeah. Well, so how- most. I mean, if, if you think of most businesses, you know, especially, in the early existence, most of them start somewhat of a family business. Right. Definitely. Um,
0: so when you guys are together, not for work, how do you
1: actually set the boundaries with each other to make sure that you don't involve the work talk? Yeah. It's just consciously just kind of not putting energy towards it. So if, you know, if someone asks a question, you kind of answer it, um, without being rude, but then you just don't expect, You know, go too deep on it. So expanding on and on the dialogue, and then it's it's filling it with cool things that don't make you think about work. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's going to the beach and playing games. We play croquet and do some fun stuff where you're in you're in the moment. There's no time to think about what can be done on Monday. Mm -hmm. So that's and then with grandkids. I mean, my my dad and mom have four grandkids now. So there's less time. (laughs) There's less time to even talk about work when you're chasing bunch of crazy kids around, um, running around the house. Right. So it's, it's a pretty good time for all of us and it's a busy, busy time, but we're, I think we do a nice job of complimenting each other. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned my mom's in the business as well. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's a true family business. Very cool.
0: Very cool. So, uh, you mentioned now uh, a couple of times how you just had your third child. What has, uh, what did you learn most about yourself since becoming a father?
1: Mm. I'm very patient, um, and I can, I can do so much more with, again, that little amount of time if I give myself energy. So my number one thing, being a parent, is I want to give as much energy, no matter how much time I have, to my kids. And to do that, I have to put down work. I have to be in the moment. I can't be checking emails. i got to feed my body. And if I do that, I, I know that I'm, I'm kind of putting the action mask on myself for them. Um, and I wrote capacity with a one year old. Mm. And and if you look, if you look at my ACT score, I'm a horrible writer. I don't I don't really I wouldn't say I'm an expert at writing. But if you put your mind to something, it doesn't matter what you have going, you can accomplish it. So for me, having kids kind of puts all priorities in the right sequence. Mm. And when When you come home, you just don't even have the option sometimes to to do do some of the stuff that maybe when I was no kids I could do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you probably do have the
1: option probably more than you think, but you're just very good at at prioritizing. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's something that I want to do. I want to be there as, as much as possible. And, and, uh, yeah. And I had a a good parents and good grandparents and that's what I'm trying to do. That's my big driver. You know? Yeah. If you you hear me talk, that's my kind of final story is I want to be I want to be there for my kids, kids or how, however I can. And I know it starts with taking care of the, the basics. Yeah.
0: Well, very cool. So we mentioned, but you mentioned beforehand how you guys are at on target living are coming out with an app, um, and maybe about six months down the road or so, um, called the on target living experience, OTL experience. So just give us a quick preview of kind of what that's looked like, what that looks like and why people should be interested in getting it when it comes out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really designed to help people from if they come to a presentation or we're helping an organization, the people to take some of those next steps because we can't be there all the time. And actually, part of our training is to, for people to realize they don't need someone to be there all the time. That internal piece is like if you have to be your own advocate. So, the, the tool is designed to kind of be a guide. So, it's a course on our methodology. There's workouts that you can do daily. There's yoga practices, breathing. And uh, it'll be a pretty cool app where you can either listen to it in the car. You're not going to watch a video. Or you can watch a video um, on your TV or wherever to take you through some of the courses. So it's it's taking technology. It's taking what we do on stage. It's what we do in person and bringing it to your phone. And that's where 2019 we are. We got to have more ways to communicate. And uh, as we come across people, we see there's, there's a lot of people not feeling their best. And that's why we're passionate about bringing this to, to the to market, because we know that we can help if they do some of the rest, eat, move principles yeah. we teach.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, very good. Uh, be on the lookout for that uh, down the road and we'll make sure um, I'll make sure I stay, uh, stay attuned to when that's coming out and everything. Like yeah, that. probably November it will be the launch. Okay. Very good. Very good. So touched on a couple of times now that you're 33 years old. Uh, So 10 years down the road, you're going to be 43 years old inevitably. Mm. Uh, So what does 43 year old Matt Johnson look like? What have you accomplished and what are you currently doing?
1: Well, I've always said that I want to live to 120 and uh, many people don't think of how long they want to live. They just, uh, just go about it. So it's just a number to me, but 43 is nothing. I, I mean, I still think that I'm 18 mentally. Like (laughs) I'm, I, I, I'm very uh, jokey and goofy. But at 43, you know, my big thing from a professional standpoint is we need to help more people, and so I want to be able to um, have more people know what on-target living is because that means that we're making some impact. Uh, But we're going to do it very slow, and we're going to do it the right way with integrity because it's not easy. It's isn't a quick fix or a fad. And so it's not going to be as sexy as some of the stuff that pops up and, and fizzles away. So in 10 years, just, just continue to do the same work, but with more people being impacted. And then personally, I want to make sure that I'm keeping up with my health. I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my mind, uh, helping teach my kids and uh, my taking care of my wife. So those are the things that matter to me in 10 years. And then hopefully I can still play some pretty good golf. <laughs> and my, my, one of my uh, wants that I've been kind of after for the last 10 years, and I'll say it on, on air because it will help me kind of hold me accountable as I've been trying to break the five minute mile for Oof. probably eight years. And so each year it's not going to be easier. So I got a short window left here to break that five minute mile. And that's, that'll be something that, in ten years, hopefully, that I can say that I've, I've broken the five minute mile. That's and awesome. That just, that just takes focus, and I need to I need to prioritize it when it's right. So up until this point, it hasn't been a, a big enough driver for me. Okay. What, what's I've your fastest running, time so far? I've run in the low fives. Yeah. Okay. Right now, if I r- went out cold, probably around six minutes. Okay. I just I haven't been training for it like I. So maybe twenty twenty might be my my year. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Well, before I ask the last question, I want to start off by acknowledging
0: you, Matt. I think that, you know, early on, we talked about a lot about failure and how that was, that kind of shifted the trajectory of your own learning and your own career. Like if you didn't fail, you wouldn't really be where you are today. And I feel like for you to be able to see it as that and to try to fail because you see the the growth that it can bring out of you is, is super cool and thing, something that everybody can learn from. And then your ability to prioritize the right things, your family, your the eating, the, the rest, and, and all that kind of stuff, um, I think is super cool. And it was very apparent when you talked about how you're not really sure about the habits, uh, the good habits that you have, but you talked about how you kind of live that out every single day. Um, and just the work that you guys are doing is super cool because you see you see the need that's out there that people are struggling with a lot of these things and you have, you see the gap that you guys might be able to fill. So I think it's really, just really awesome what you guys are doing and, and all that kind of stuff. You as well. well. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, let everybody know where they can support you more, where they can find your website and on target living stuff, where you spend time on social media and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Yeah. For me, if you just uh, add on target living on all the social medias and then if you want to follow me personally, best place is LinkedIn and Matt Johnson um, and on target living at LinkedIn and then our website on target living.com. And, uh, there's a bunch of free resources and then we have a podcast on target living. So in twenty twenty nineteen, 2019, there's, there's so many ways to find people. Right. Um, I would say the best way is to read a book, but most people aren't reading as, as much books as we'd like. So we got to get their toe in the water and some other avenues. Right. I understand that. Well, awesome. Well, good deal. Well, the last question I want to ask you is I believe becoming the
0: best version of yourself is a constant journey. I think we're always working on chasing down that best version of ourselves, And I don't think we're ever there. I think like hopefully on our last day, we can take our last breath, hoping we got as close as we could. Um, and I also believe it's a very unique journey because I think the way that I'm going to become the best version of myself is going to be different from the way that you become the best version of yourself. So what I the question I want to ask for you is if you could currently do or work on three things to get closer to the best version of yourself, that best version of Matt Johnson, you could be, what are those three things you currently do or currently work on?
1: Yeah, it's, it's deeper work. So having time to really go deep and, and, and perfecting your craft. And uh, to me, that's, that's a constant battle for me, wearing so many hats um, at the end of the day, I'd rather create one thing that's amazing versus five mediocre things. So that's something that I'm constantly um, trying to do to be the best version of myself. Um, and then uh, giving people time listening. That's something that uh, I would say that I, I listen, but I can always improve. And, and uh, my grandfather was probably the best listener I've ever met. And he was probably one of the most unhealthy people. And so for, so for me, um, I want, I want to be able to listen to people cause that's what people want. They want to be, they want to know that someone's listening and whether that's my wife or my kids or my, my parents, which are my boss and, uh, you know, coworkers and partners, um, And, and, you know, then, then given back, I think uh, the end to me, um, why do I take so much pride in in my health and performance and why am I still passionate is because true fulfillment comes when you give and, uh, you can have everything, you can have more big house, car, all those things. And, And I like nice stuff and you can, um, you know, do more, say you've accomplished a bunch of stuff, business growth. But at the end of the day, I want to have the ability to give as much as possible—community, family, whoever that is—and uh, and if I can say at the end of the time that I gave as much as possible, that to me is what makes fulfillment happen. And I think many people don't feel like they can give like they want to. And that's that's why I think we're struggling to have that fulfillment in in life. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things that I would off the off off the top of mind that come to. Come to my mind, awesome. and I think it is unique for everybody. I, I think that's true. Um, we can't we can't be our best version of ourselves unless we um, compare ourselves to ourselves. Yeah, I think, I think we compare ourselves to other people too much.
0: Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, those are three awesome things. I appreciate your time today, Matt. You got it. Thanks. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I know there are times on a monthly, weekly, and daily basis where we all feel overwhelmed. We feel there's just not enough time in the day to get everything done that we need to get done, but that's why people in companies like Matt and like On Target Living exist, to help us expand our human capacity so that we can take the current amount of time that we already have and do more with it through focus, energy, and drive, and resting, eating, and moving. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you take a second to share it with a friend that you think would be inspired by it, that you think would take action on some of these things to start improving themselves. Share it with a friend who feels swamped and overwhelmed all the time with all that they have to do. Share it with someone that you think could benefit from reading the book capacity so that they can start learning some skills to eat better, to move more efficiently, and get better sleep. What better way could you be a friend to someone than to send them those gifts and the knowledge that Matt shared today? If you enjoyed this episode, send me a quick message on Instagram at carrier underscore best you to let me know what your favorite part was and what you're going to start taking action on today. Or go to the Apple podcast app or iTunes and write a quick review letting me know your favorite part, what you liked, didn't like, or how I might be able to improve. If there's ever a guest that you guys want to hear from on this show, let me know. Send me a message saying I should interview so-and-so on the podcast because of how much value you think that they'd bring to it, and I'll do my best to bring that person on. And it would mean a lot to that person to recommend them to the show. Remember, plan to fail. Don't try to fail, but plan to, because it's inevitable if you're stretching yourself and if you're stretching what you think that you're capable of. Use that failure as feedback to help you grow. If you struggle to find motivation, remember to key in on your focus and your energy. Implement some of these skills to increase that level of focus and energy so that you can have the drive necessary to reach your goals and fulfill your dreams. I'd highly encourage you to go grab a copy of Capacity at expandcapacity.com and connect with on Target Living on social media and on their website and podcast as well to dive a little deeper into these topics. But for now, it's time. Pick out one thing that Matt shared today. Write it down. Please write it down. That'll make it more real in your life. It'll create a sense of urgency for yourself to start taking action on it because that's what this podcast is all about. It's to give you tools tactics, and inspiration so that you can start taking action on getting closer to the best version of yourself. And I hope something here today is something that is meaningful to you. It struck a chord with you. It's something that you can write down and start taking action on so that you can continue to work on getting closer and closer to your best you.